really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth, the podcast that offers news, results, predictions, and today, I hope, some real insight into what, for me, has been some of the coolest aspects of being a rugby fan. So I'm talking, of course, about the European Cups, and if you're as confused about that as I was, fear not, this should help make some sense of it all. As you know, I'm David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan. I follow rugby wherever I can. Uh, I support my New England Free Jacks. I support the USA Eagles primarily. Uh, I root for Scotland. I root for the Highlanders and Super Rugby. And now I love me some Connacht in the URC. Uh, please get in touch whenever you can. Hearing from you is always my favorite part of this. I'm easily accessible at of Scrum or via the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. Drop me a line about whatever, whenever, however you like. Here at the Scrum of the Earth, we do have a reliable weekly format, and it goes thusly. We do current updates, what's up with me personally, news, what's happening around the world of rugby, Thoughts of the week, what's interesting or annoying me this week. Then we do reviews and previews. Uh, In between those two segments, of course, we do the newest feature, the Diamond in the Ruck, essentially my player of the week. Uh, Every week, that is the pod you'll get, along with frequent bonus episodes, just like this one. So thanks for coming along, and enjoy. So, when they talk about teams hoping to do well, quote, in Europe, unquote, what do they mean? So, whenever you hear that, they're inevitably talking about a team that, yes, in fact, plays somewhere in Europe. This is what why it was confusing for me. So it seems like, why is that different than doing well in their own competition, their own league? Their, their league is in Europe, so what does that mean? So let's start at the beginning. <clears throat> I had to figure all this out, and it wasn't easy, but I'm, I'm happy to share now, share now that I know all about it, or so I think, at least. So as I've just spoken about, I follow the Premiership in England. I follow the United Rugby Championship in the other so-called home nations, as well as now South Africa. The league I have lamented not being able to follow is the French equivalent of the Premiership, which is their top 14. It's an incredibly tough, really cool competition that also features promotion and relegation, although the, the Prem is giving that a miss for this year. I'm not sure exactly all the story behind that. So out of these leagues, let's call them these major competitions, there are many, many other leagues across all of Europe in places like Georgia, and in these places too, the competition is pretty fierce, we just don't really hear about them that much. So of all these leagues is born the European Champions Cup, or currently the Heineken Cup. So this is a an entirely separate tournament that takes place entirely outside of the leagues that we were just talking about, and the best teams are brought in from all of these leagues to play for greater honors than any one league could bestow. So how do they decide who are the best teams? How could you possibly seed such a tournament? Well, I'm glad you asked, because the answer is both obtuse and weird. So, uh, (laughs) I can't wait to look at this. So, oh my word, I just realized how much weirder this is going to be this year because of the way, uh, because of the Premiership, frankly. So, we have a 13-team league in the Premiership. We have a 14-team league in France, and now we have a 16-team league across the UK, Italy, and the Rainbow Nation. So there's an entirely separate entity now called the EPCR, which stands for European Professional Club Rugby. And they are the organizers and governing body for two concurrent annual tournaments, as I mentioned, the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup. So these are seeded group pool-based competitions, and they offer an opportunity for a club to win some accolades that they might miss out on in their own competitions. So... Maybe you're a club that had a bunch of bad breaks a few weeks in in a row, 
maybe this tournament is a chance for redemption. Uh, and of course, the big thing is, if your team can win your normal league and also win a European tournament, well, you're double victors. And we just saw a few years ago, uh, in the before time, it was it was even more than that. Alex Good, he was player of the match for his club, Saracens, in the Premiership final, which they won. And then, I think it was only a week later, he went on to be player of the match in the champion in, in the final of the Champions Cup, which they also won, making him double victor and double best player of Europe in the whole year. I mean, can you even imagine? He, he won all of Europe after defeating everyone in his own country. Absolute rampager. And in fact, uh, many of you, if you were around then, would probably already know this. He did then go on an epic bender after this was all done. He was out for like three days straight. I think it was seriously in the realm of. 72 hours out in the beers, still in his kit, literally mouth guard sticking out of his sock. It's the reason we have the word epic. He just showed why the combination of these different tournaments can be so incredibly special. But how does this all work? Okay, 15 clubs, six from the top 14, five from the Premiership, and four from the URC are divided into three tiers based on meritocracy from last season's leagues or the last season's results, I guess. Uh, so there's tier one, six clubs, top 14 clubs ranked ninth and 10th, prem clubs ranked ninth and 10th, URC clubs ranked ninth and 10th, tier two, six clubs again, that's the top 14, 11th and 12th uh, places, same thing with prem, same thing with the URC, and then the tier three is three clubs, top 14 clubs ranked 13th and 14th, and the premiership club ranked 13th, uh, clubs were then allocated into three pools of five Pool A, B, and C. The pool stage will consist of five rounds with each club playing four matches home or away against opponents in its own pool. So one club in each pool will have a bye in every round. Uh, four match points for a win, two match points for a draw. A bonus point will be awarded to a club scoring four or more tries and to a club losing by seven points or fewer. So bonus points and losing bonus points. Uh, okay, I know that was a lot, but please stay with me. We're almost there. So the three... Highest ranked clubs in pool A, B, and C, and the highest ranked fourth place club, as well as the three clubs ranked 9 to 11 from each of the Heineken Champions Cup pools, will qualify for the round of 16. Whew. You might have to rewind that about 17 times because I'm still trying to make sure that that was a sentence. So the round of 16 has its own format, and I'm serious. When I copied and pasted it into my notes, I realized, uh, that is some unreadable nonsense. So, okay, it's, it's not nonsense. It's just that the the underbelly of the technical details, they have to spell out the way they do it in such painstaking form. It, it's not their fault. It just doesn't make, it doesn't make for anything worth reading out on an audio podcast, believe me. So long story short, they end up with quarterfinalists, then semifinalists, and then a huge final. And uh, I'm very curious to see where on the calendar they're going to schedule that this year. It's going to be great. It's such a great tournament, I'm telling you. Okay, so that's your format, and uh, it's just, it, it's obviously really, really complex, but when it comes down to it, it's just seeing teams play each other that you don't normally get to see. It's so cool. So much fun to watch. Oh, did I even mention, almost always they're wearing entirely different kits for these matches, too. Uh, it's like there's a separate designer. By the way, it, it's a much different approach. It's often uh, head-scratching colors, but even that, I'm here for it. It's so cool. So in my limited experience... It's kind of like they take your standard uniform and then make it look like a, a to-go coffee cup from, I don't know, 1993. 
And don't get me wrong, I, I love the wackadoodle uniforms they're all forced to wear. It's just like a side avenue of entertainment that it's like a little little bonus for you. And the matches, they're just they're all top notch. They're so interesting. If you're in the market for compelling rugby at the highest level, this is your jam. There are just so many side stories, so many angles, uh, the conflicting cultures and styles. Ooh, I'm getting carried away with how good it is. So I did look ahead. Uh, the round one this year is going to span. Oh, and I just got a little chill as a, as a New Englander. You know the weather's going to start to be uh, frosting up. It's it's going to span the Saturday and Sunday of December, uh, the the weekend of December 10th, 11th, and 12th. Ooh. I am excited for this, man, oh, man. So lest to get lost in all this detail and all the, the technical stuff, the best thing about these tournaments is you get to see matchups that you would never, ever get to see normally. And in some cases, you may never see these matchups again. It, for me, it's a chance to see teams from the French Top 14 in particular who are incredible but play a very different style. And when these matches take place in France – Ooh, that's a whole different thing. There's a whole hullabaloo that goes along with French fans. They're shouting and hollering. They're singing. There's literally a brass band playing on the concourse. It's just a totally different animal. And those differences, those contrasts are, for me, what makes this sport just so darn cool. So I can't encourage you enough to dig into these tournaments starting in December. You're not going to regret it. It's the best. So this year, the Heineken Champions Cup will be competed for by 24 clubs in two pools of 12. Uh, with eight representatives from each of Europe's leading professional leagues. And last season's defeated finalists, Stade Rochelet, will open their campaign in Pool A against Glasgow Warriors at Stade Marcel de Flandre. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I made a hash of that one. So anyway, the deets. Pool A does include Stade Rochelet, Exeter Chiefs, uh, sorry, Exeter Chiefs, uh, Leinster, Racing 92, Sail Sharks, Ulster, uh, Claremont, Northampton Saints, Ospreys, Montpellier, Bath, and Glasgow Warriors. In Pool B, <clears throat> there will be Stade Toulouse, uh, Harlequins, Munster, Bordeaux-Begla, uh, the Bristol Bears, Connacht Rugby, Stade Francais, Leicester Tigers, Scarlets, Cast Olympique, the Wasps, <laughs> the Wasps, it's just Wasps, sorry, and uh, not the Cardiff Blues, just Cardiff Rugby, uh, and the 15 teams competing for the Challenge Cup at the same time will be Benetton, Biarritz, who I guess haven't been in the running for seven years, so that's pretty cool. Uh, we'll see the Dragons, Edinburgh, Gloucester, London Irish, Lyon, Newcastle, Toulon, Saracens, who look heavy favorites at this point, uh, Worcester Warriors, Zebre, Perpignan, and I think the French team Pau is the last of the list, but I swear to God, on their actual website. It, uh, it lists the team as Section Paloise, and the graphic is the little broken link icon. And when you try to click on it, you get a 502 bad gateway. So it's a bit fuzzy, I guess. Um, I noticed the address itself did have POW at the end of it, so I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, also, if you're unfamiliar with this format, it doesn't take place all at once. It's, it's really, really spread out. So as I mentioned, the first couple of rounds are in December um, December 10th through 12th, and then the following weekend, the 17th through 19th. Um, but then they take a break, and it's not till mid-January that it picks up again for two weeks in a row, mid to late January. And then there's a much bigger break, and they don't actually pick this tournament up again until April. Uh, it took me a long time to sort of figure that out. Once I figured out, okay, this is what I'm watching, all of a sudden uh, it's gone again for three months. It's definitely a strange thing to get used to. And also, obviously, these teams can be in a very different place by the time April rolls around compared to where they were in January. Uh, so once again, that's two weeks in a row in April. And then, same thing, two weeks in a row in May. 
And then at the end of May, the Challenge Cup final is on Friday the 27th. That will be in Marseille, as well as the Champions Cup final, which will be the very next day, Saturday, the 28th of May, 2022. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be so cool to have the final in France. It always just makes it that much cooler. Well, you've done it again, haven't you? You've listened to another Scrum of the Earth, and uh, I have to say I'm really grateful. I, I really take pride in the fact that some of you continue to get in touch, continue to show your support. It's just really so great. I have included the chance for you to buy me a virtual coffee in the show notes, but leaving a five-star review is always free. So until next time, as always, thank you all so much for listening. Cheers. Talk to you soon, and be well. It gives me great pleasure to be here today. Oh, it does, Nate.